0: expecting to to hear and see this morning I'm going to say no more than uh, this is my last morning for a while um, and many of you know why that is and that's fine and that's, that's enough for me but I wanted to leave you with a word from God which probably it's time we heard so there's going to be a question We're going to get asked one day. And this question that we'll get asked will be asked by the most important in all of creation. One day we will stand, whether we believe in any of these things doesn't matter. I do, and I have committed my life to preaching. So what is it that I preach? I preach that one day the Bible says we will all stand before Him who made us. But there will be a question he asks. And it's a question I wish could be asked in every church in the land. It's this question What did you do with Jesus? What did you do with my son? It's our response to that that matters more than anything else that you think matters. See, the Bible says he sent his son. Why? What did he come for? What was his purpose? What did he do? What have we done with that? That's what he will ask us when we get there. It cost me everything to send my son for you. What did you do with him? And when I finish with you this morning, 50% of you will give your lives to Christ. Because you will realise, I haven't done what I was meant to do. Now you thought you was getting off easy, not on your whatever that is. (laughs) There's a story in the Bible called the prodigal son. I'm not speaking on that. But I heard, I believe there's something about it that we need to hear. And if you're watching this on Facebook, and you're not a Christian, this story of the prodigal son says a man has two sons. He has two sons. And it says that the one wanted to get away. But the father gives to both sons everything that he has. The father gives to both sons everything that he has. And I want to say to you that the both sons are this. The one son is the world and those who have chosen to walk a life without God. But I want you to understand this. He sent us, he sent them out with everything. He sent the prodigal out to live separate from God, without God, but he gave him everything that he had to go and live it. So if you're in this world and you're not a Christian and you don't believe in God, everything you had comes from the fact that he blessed you the day you were born. If you have gifts, talents or anything, they came from above. The Bible even says every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father. Whether we believe in him or not makes no difference. That's how we all survive. And just like the prodigal, he wasted it. And many come to the place that he came to. And he realised, I have got nothing left. I am not worthy to be called Your son, he says to his father. But they gave also to the other son, the eldest son, everything that he had. And he didn't use it the way it was meant to be used either. The one who lost everything comes back and says, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me a servant. And God does not call us servants. He calls us sons. He calls us daughters. He calls us friends. But even the one, and I want to tell you, the elder son represents the church. The church has been given everything we need. We've been given all that we need. And still the elder son says, I've served you all these years. He didn't have the thing that God sent his son for to give humanity access to the father and here he is with everything that he needs and this is sometimes the church we've got everything we need every gift every blessing every anointing and many people sit in church and they don't know the father which is why Jesus came to take us to the father so I'm already asking you he's going to say what did you do with my son Everything that he paid for, have you took advantage of it? And the answer's going to be no for some. Sorry about this. <clears throat> that's, just a, that's just a blessing that's come my way. <laughs> <But> <laughs> <laughs> there are certain things we're not supposed to speak about anymore in church. And you go to churches and you won't hear these subjects spoken on. You tell me if you've heard this spoken on. Heaven, hell, Satan, sin, the devil. Have you heard these things preached on? Not very often. We'll hear healing, miracles, love, forgiveness. We'll hear that. But I want to tell you why Jesus came to die on the cross. Heaven, hell, sin, Satan, death. That's what he came for. And if I'm a preacher, any decent preacher of the word, I have to preach what the Bible says, not what tickles people's ears. Whether you like it or not, there is a hell. Whether you like it or not, there is a Satan. Whether you like it or not, there is sin that wants to take you to death. But whether you can understand this or not, the price has been paid for all of those. So how are we battling with something that's been paid for? Because we've not done with Jesus what we were supposed to do with him. We will be asked. We will be asked. Now many of you are scholars amongst us and you're saying, where does it say that in the Bible? I don't know. (laughs) But I know that the Father loved his son so much and loved us so much that he gave his son for us I want to show you what I think is the state of the church and the state of the world Paul makes this description of himself and in this description of himself I see many of our attitudes and many of the world's attitudes listen to Paul Paul his name was Saul before he becomes Paul and if you don't know he was a very religious man but this is Paul's definition of himself. Galatians 1, verses 13 to 14. I will not be finishing on time. If you need to text someone and say, turn the oven off, turn the oven down, then please do. Galatians 1, verses 13 and 14. For you have heard of my former Conduct. This is Paul speaking in Judaism. How I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Next verse. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my father. Have you ever met people in church like this? They are so self-righteous. You cannot fail. There's something wrong with me. I am God's gift. I know I walk right before God. If you think that about me, stop it. Stop it now. There's no one... He goes on to show you where he went wrong. Look at the next one. Philippians 3, verses 4 and 5. Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Though I myself may have reason for confidence in my flesh, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in his flesh, I have more. This is Paul speaking. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, under the law I was blameless. There's no one in this church who's prepared to get up and say that. And say, oh, I'm I'm a good Christian, I pay my tithes, I do this, I pray, I read my Bible, I'm godly, I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other. No one here is prepared to say that, but you think it. When you meet somebody else. You know, people have been put down more by Christians than they have been on anyone else. Because something in us smacks of this which he has, a self-righteousness. I don't care if you're the greatest of sinners, the least of the sinners amongst us, it makes no difference. There's only one who paid the price. You didn't. I get worse. Until Paul met Christ, and then everything changed. Listen to what he says now. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9. This is the same man who says, I was probably one of the best Jews. I was holy, righteous under the law, faultless, zealous for God. And now he says this now I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. Something changed in him. And this is when he's a Christian. When he's a Christian, he sees himself worse than what he saw himself when he wasn't a Christian. What do you do? Oh, I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm saved. I'm glorious. I'm wonderful. I'm perfect. I'm righteous. Paul went the other way. Now I know I'm a sinner. Oh, God, I'm the worst. You'll see why, because this is where this is pointing. And the next one is in 1 Timothy. Do you know there's two, there's, there's one Timothy and two Timothy, but there's also a three Timothy still being written. 1 Timothy 1 verse 15, this is still Paul, this is a faithful saying and worthy of, worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, then what does he say? of whom I was chief, of whom I am the chief. There's something about us that seems to have taken a road that says somehow we're godly, somehow we're righteous. I get it. And before God and only before God can he declare us that. But the revelation that Paul got was I was so holy, I was so righteous till I met Christ and then I realised I'm the worst of the apostles and I'm the worst of sinners if it wasn't for him who loved me and gave himself. There's no preacher who should stand up here with any better qualifications than Paul who doesn't hold the same title as Paul as being the chief of sinners. Now I wanted to say this to you all this morning because there's a real terrible thing that's happened in the church that we look at pastors and people who lead churches as somehow being the example. Well, here's the example. Hear it this morning. I am the chief of sinners. Stop looking at me. Look at him who gave himself for you. That's where your righteousness comes from. You should get up here and say, like I'm willing to say this morning, I'm the chief of sinners if it wasn't for His grace. I was born in a Christian family. I was born in a Pentecostal church. But God, I could have been brought up anywhere. Somehow, He put His hand on my father, my mother, my family, and I came to know God. But I tell you what, I have met thousands upon thousands of people who have never heard of God. I do Sunday school, so I do assemblies in school, and sometimes I'll ask a question. And I asked a question one day, what Easter was about? And the reply was, that's when, that's when we get presents, isn't it, for Christmas? I said, no, that's not Easter. There was no clue. You have the clue because you've been here and heard it. Thank God. This is what sparked all this off for me. You can blame Nathan. Where is he? Nay? Always? Stand up, nay. It's all right. Talk of the chief of sinners. No, 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 no. God's hand is on his life. And I want him to know he's the chief of sinners. And that everything we do from here, we do out of grace. And that's all we've got. We haven't got anything else. Whatever gifts, talents, ministries, we think we have. They're nothing. But I want to read this story to you, which Nathan mentioned a week or two ago. Exodus chapter 12. I'm just going to read verses 21 to 24. Exodus 12, 21 to 24. There are many stories and and things in the Old Testament in the Bible that people don't like. Somehow we've changed our way of thinking about the Bible. We now think we have the right to choose which stories we think are okay, which stories we think are not okay. We we now have the right to pick this one and pick that one and say, that's not very good. How could a God do this? How could a God do that? You know what, I'm not here to defend that this morning. But I want to pick one of those events Because something happened in one of those events that points to the one who gave his life for us. And it's this. Moses called for the elders of Israel and said to them, pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood And you will, in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that's in the basin. So here it is. Get an animal, a lamb or a goat. You have to kill it and you're going to eat it. But take the blood that's from this dead animal and put it over the doorposts and the lintels of your house. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. I've got a word for you this morning, just heard it from God. We don't leave our house till we get to heaven. Stop going out of your house. Because out of the house is out of the protection. But I'll come back to that, you'll hear it in a minute. Where am I? Next verse. For the Lord shall pass through to strike the Egyptians. When he sees the blood on the lintel and on the doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And the last verse. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It's just a very simple thing I want to say to you. This was the darkest day in history. We, we read about it again in the New Testament when Jesus is born, that Herod puts out a degree that all the male children should be murdered. We know that Pharaoh in the Old Testament also put out a degree for the Jews that all the male would be killed, and Moses escapes that. But there's now this nine plagues have taken place to deliver Israel out of Egypt. And this last plague is coming. And it's the death of your firstborn. And I want you to hear this. If you don't put the blood over the door, you're dead. So I want to ask you a simple question. You're a Jew right now, in this massive place of Egypt. And you're hearing screams and screams and they're getting louder and they're getting louder as they approach your house. As this angel of death is coming through the city, coming through the land, you're hearing it get closer and closer and closer. And one thing you've got that you think will protect you from this angel of death is some blood around your door. That's all you've got to trust in. That's all you've got. I hope, that, I hope I put the blood on right. I hope I put enough on, because th- if, that, if that comes near my eyes, we're in big trouble. And the blood saved them. They had to put their trust in the blood of an animal. I'm surprised you're not cheering. I think you should be getting what I'm saying to you. The question was, what do you do with Jesus? Because John 3.16 says, the Father gave us His Son. Jesus came to deal with the things I mentioned earlier we can't preach about. He came to deal with our access to heaven. He came to deal with our deliverance from hell. He came to deal with rescuing us from sin. He came to die so that we would not face the punishment of God upon us. Do you know the wrath of God, it says in Isaiah, was poured out upon Jesus. That which was meant to be poured out on us was poured out on Jesus. And I'm telling you now, the only thing that stops the wrath of God coming upon you, coming upon me, is the blood over the doorpost of our hearts. Nothing else, nothing else rescues us. So I'm realizing what the problem is. You might like this, you might not like this. doesn't really matter to me, I'm leaving. Well, I'll be back. Whether you, whether you can uh, uh, get in what I'm saying this morning, there's nothing else to trust in. Nothing else to trust in. For your salvation, for your walk with God, for your righteousness, nothing else to trust in. But I'll tell you what we've begun to do. We've begun to put trust in ourselves. I think this is a curse that's in a church. It's in the whole church. That people have begun to put their trust in their ability To live a good life. Well, I'm a Christian because I don't do this. I'm a Christian because I'm not as bad as them. That's not trust in the blood. That's trust in you. That's trust in you thinking, I can do this. Do you know what the problem with that is? And you know what? I always mention Tina because I love Tina and she she was such a great blessing to me. But she came to me one day, just like most Christians have ever come to me and said. She says, Tim, some days I feel like I'm a Christian and some days I don't. What am I supposed to do about it? How many of you felt like that? Amen? Good. I'm glad you've raised your hands because it's the truth. So I told her something, the most simple thing I could ever tell her. I said, the only person who wants to tell you you're not saved is the devil. And what's happening to you, Tina? I said, you have not learned yet how to put your faith in the facts. She said, what do you mean? I said, did Jesus die? She said, yes. Did he die for you? Yes. I said, those facts cannot change. Your feelings will. So when the devil says, look at you, look at your behaviour, look at how you're thinking, look at what you've said, look at what you've done, you can turn around and say, look at what Jesus did. I am the chief of sinners, but he's the chief of heaven. You cannot stand before God and say, I tried, he's not after that. He'll say, what did you do with Jesus? I'll tell you what I did. I realised I was a complete and utter failure. And I said, Jesus, all I've got to trust in is that you have got it right for me. That's all I've got. And I don't think that's how people live. On that absolute assurance. It's not you and it never will be you. It's always been and always will be. He died on the cross. Do you have the blood as the only thing you trust in? If it's not, you're missing something. And that's what he'll be asking you about. What did you do with Jesus? I held up his blood and I said, that's my only access to heaven. That's my only forgiveness of sin right here. There's another thing that people trust in gifts, ability, anointing. Bro, with me on this one, all right? God anoints us, God uses us. We speak in tongues, we prophesy, we get a word of, of prophecy, we have a revelation, we pray for the sick, and they get healed. I want to tell you something that's not the blood. That's his grace gifting you abilities. It's not your righteousness. It's still the blood. You cannot get to heaven and say, I, well, now might you understand what that verse says, and it's a verse nobody likes. Many will get there in that day and say, I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons in your name. I healed the sick. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Why? Because they didn't put their trust In the blood. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how talented and gifted you are. You have to. I am the chief of sinners, but his blood has rescued me. That's all I've got. It's not in people. It's not in an organisation. It's not in programmes. It's not in a ministry. It's not in a doctrine. It's not in something you see on the God channel. None of those things get you to heaven. Put the blood over the door of your heart, over the side of your heart, over the top of it and say, that's all I've got. That's all I've got. Don't look at a person. Don't look at a... You know, oh, I'm thinking. I, I can't tell you how many people have called me and said, you know, I'm I'm going to join this church. I'm going to join that organization. I'm going to join this, and I'm going. Oh God, help him. Because the truth is, you can be in a church of three people and be under the blood, and that's what matters. Than be in a church of thousands and walking in your own strength. Walking in your own pride, your own gifts, your own anointing. And just being like Paul. Well, I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other. You need to realise you're the chief of sinners. Saved by the most incredible act of love that could ever have been done for us. Romans 5 verse 9. A couple of verses I want to, as, as the Americans put it, come into land. You like that, good. <laughs> Romans 5, verse 9. This is one of the... And I don't know what that translation is, Nick, that, uh, that uh, Nathan keeps asking you to do, but when I've read this, can you put that translation up after? No, after, yeah, yeah. So, why do we put our trust in the blood? Look what it says. Much more, then, having been justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. Now look at it in this NLT. And since we've been made right in God's sight, that's what justified means. We've been made right in God's sight by our own efforts, by the church we attend, by the doctrine we believe, by the blood of Christ. Christ nothing else there's a there's a point sometimes in christians lives where they come before they go oh god why aren't you doing this oh god what? like as if we've got some way of twisting his arm you know i've had um 40 years in the ministry and i'm struggling with mental health issues i don't mind admitting that but i have to say to you there's not one point when i've gone before god and said look i've served you 40 years it's about time you stood up for me not once what I know now is I need that blood more than I ever needed it, and I wanted to leave today, saying to you, "This is your way forward, not a man, not a ministry, no, but the blood of Jesus." Know, 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 know that you believe. Know it. Don't think. Well, maybe you know. No, know it. Philippians 3 verse 9, Paul again speaking here, Philippians 3 verse 9, back into the new King James if you don't mind. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. Nathan spoke on this a million times. I have spoke on this a million times. We have no righteousness of our own. We cannot produce righteousness by works. Listen to me. You can't do it. Oh, but I've helped. I've given to the poor. I've done this. I've done that. I've done the other. I've done the other. Listen, none of that adds up to righteousness. None of it. I'm telling you this now, and don't feel sorry for me. 40 years of serving God does not add up to righteousness. Never. But faith in Jesus is, gives you your righteousness. Alone. You can't. That's what I'm saying. I think the church has stepped away from the simple aspect of trust in the blood and trust in himself. Trust in his abilities and you've got to give it up. This morning you have to give it up and put your trust where it was meant to be. Hebrews 10 verse 19. Hebrews 10 verse 19. These are verses that some of you will know and some don't know, but that's okay. I'm here to talk you through them. Therefore, brethren. Are we we near? Hebrews 10 verse 19. Therefore, brethren having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We come to church, and if you've ever been in this church for any period of time, you know we talk about something called the presence of God. We believe that God's presence is here already because he's in us, but we also believe that we can have access to. Paul says it, We have boldness to enter. We have boldness to encounter the presence of God by no other means but the blood of Jesus. We can't get in by any other means. We can't plead our way in. We can't satisfy God by our efforts. But when He sees Oh, you've put your trust in my son. You've put your trust that Jesus' blood has done everything for you. You better come in here. You're part of what's going on here. We will have a day when we stand before him and he will say, what have you done with my son? Does that question make sense now? Do you understand what I'm asking you? Not faith in you, faith in what Jesus did for you. Ephesians 1 verse 7, Ephesians 1 verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I spoke on this a few weeks ago and I still feel very strongly about this. It upsets me a lot, this this subject of forgiveness upsets me a lot because the one thing that's that's so obvious is, is God forgives us but we don't forgive each other. It's so obvious. How can we encourage people? to experience the forgiveness of God that was paid for by the blood of Christ when we won't let each other off an ounce. How can that be? That's why I said, it can't be anything else but the blood. Your forgiveness. That's all you've got. God, I've done so many things. I'll tell you what, I've done so many things. But I know your blood is what I have to cling on to. That's over the doorpost of my heart. 1 John 1 verse 7. Just a few more things to say, so thank you for hanging on with me. 1 John 1 verse 7. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I've got news for you. This was written to Christians. So Christians sin. Yes. Christians sin. And there's no other place we can go. You know, when you've got saved and then you sin, where do you go? Well, I just lock myself away in my room and I don't tell anybody. I just hide it. I just feel guilty. I just feel shame. I just... You know, what else can I do? I've told everybody I'm a Christian and now I'm a right disgusting sinner. What do I do? If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus will still cleanse us from all sin. That's all we've got. That's all we've got. The blood of Jesus. All they had to do, all they had to do was apply the blood to the doorposts and the lintels and then hope and then trust that when that death came near their house, that angel of death would see the blood and say, I can't go in there. I can't go in there. You know, I wonder if that's why many of us have the attacks that we have because we've not learned how to get under the blood. We're still trusting in our own strength, our own abilities, our own attempts to be good people. And we fail. And then when you fail, do you know it's true. When you do something wrong, there's three people who speak to you. There's the Lord who's always speaking to us and saying, it's okay, I can forgive you. But but you don't hear that one. Then you've got your own thoughts, which is, what an idiot, what a failure, I'm just rubbish. But you've also got someone else with a shovel who is willing to dig the deepest hole for you to get into the devil himself will tell you call you have you ever heard this phrase in your head call yourself a christian have you ever heard that phrase in your head you have okay thank god that you've heard that but here's an interesting thing that's not you saying that you know call yourself a christian somebody else is saying it you'd say call myself a christian That would be what you do normally... But no, that's not what you hear. You hear, call yourself a Christian. That's the devil. And I hate this. This is my pet peeve. This is my... I'm going to get on my horse now. This is my... There's a God who says, I love you, and you don't hear that. And you've got a devil who says, you're rubbish, and you believe it. Why have we become so in tune to him? Because... We haven't put ourselves properly under the blood. Properly under the blood. So I'm going to finish with asking you this question again. What did you do with Jesus? But I'm going to rephrase it. Who or what have you put your trust in? All these years you've been saved. Some of you longer than others. It's very easy to slip out of that door from where the blood is covering us and step into our own confidence, step into our own ability. Is it time this morning to step back in and to understand this morning I want to put my trust in the blood of Jesus? You know what? I'm not even asking you, if you're listening on Facebook or even here this morning, I'm not asking you to understand it. What, who can understand what it was for God to send Jesus to die on a cross? Who can understand all that? But the Bible says it very simply, it says, "Put your faith in it. Put your trust in it." Have you realised this morning you're the chief of sinners? Because if you haven't realised it, you're the people who need to get saved. If you don't know you're the chief of sinner, you need to get back under the blood. Because that means you're standing on something else. You're trusting in something else. Would you mind just closing your eyes, bowing your heads, lying on the floor, standing on on your head? No, just... I couldn't leave this morning, while your eyes are closed, while your head's about, I couldn't leave this morning without making this appeal to you? Not do you understand everything I've said, but do you want to put your trust in just the simplest of things in the blood of Jesus? All else you've tried, but to walk the rest of your life saying, that's all I've got, is the blood of Jesus. Is what has saved me, what will cleanse me, what will make me right with God. That's all I've got. If you want to do that this morning, if you want to make that recommitment, that step towards that, would you just put your hand up and put it down again? There's only me Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. That's so incredible. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you for that. This is not about your ability. It's about simply trusting in Christ. I want to pray a prayer. And those of you who've raised your hands, and if you haven't raised your hands, but you'd like to pray this prayer, you can pray it with me in your hearts. That's fine. I just want you to follow me in your heart. But mean it with every fibre of your being. Father, I thank you for speaking this word into my heart this morning. For reminding me that all I can trust in is what your son did for me. I choose today to fully Or to the best of my ability, trust in the blood of Jesus. I let go of all of my other attempts to follow you. I let go of it all. I agree with Paul, I'm the chief of sinners. But I also agree with Paul. That because of your grace, because of your blood, I have access to God. Thank you for loving me again this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Yeah. I just want say, thank you, goodbye, God bless you I just wanted you to see that the fire is is there in my heart because I don't want you to think that this is what gets us anywhere it's only our trust in him that's all that gets us anywhere, I'm going to just spend some time just in that place with him that I need right now you know so I really appreciate your, your love, your support for coming this morning. You have just incredibly blessed me, more than you'll ever know. And I won't be um, away forever. <laughs> I'll come back. <laughs> so can I pray for you all before I leave? Is that okay? And then you can, you can go. Father, thank you for these wonderful people. Thank you for the trust that they've put in me all these years and that they will put in in Nathan. And God, it won't be long before we're just restored back in fellowship. I know that. But I ask your grace to be upon them. Raise up prophets. Raise up evangelists. Raise up miracle workers. Raise up Sunday school teachers. Raise up men and women on fire for God. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a good day.